Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Raz Blitz Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bowie. And joining me tonight, we have Reed Cashmanian, Zach Robinson, and the Viz man, Alex Vizbisky. How are we doing, Reed? Uh, we're doing okay. Going to be honest, we're, uh, we're doing pretty well right now. So... Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking some uh, conference championship football, some coaching hires and fires, and stuff like that. All right, Zach, how you doing? Missed you last week. I know I missed I missed you guys. Uh, I'm doing great, to be honest. Pretty scared about Jacksonville, but I'm doing great. We'll be fine. <laughs> All right, Biz man, how you doing? Doing well. No complaints. Same as Reed. Uh, ready to talk about <laughs> wherever you want to go with the conversation. Really. Oh yeah. Well, as you know, we never have an itinerary, so we can just go down the coaching list. Um, so, Reed, I know you weren't a huge fan of Matt Patricia becoming a head coach. So, has your mind changed that he's went to Detroit at all? What do you think about that? Um, I actually kind of – I did a – when I say a little bit, I did a lot more research because I'm starting to do these mock drafts, and a lot of it does come down to, okay, if it's a new head coach – what does he like to do? What tendencies does he have? Um, and I think I think it might have been a little bit on the lazier side when I said that he and McDaniels wouldn't do very well as uh, head coaches. I think um, a, a lot of what I think makes me not so high on McDaniels is he doesn't have to develop anybody. It's just Tom Brady there, and it's pretty easy to be a good offensive coordinator when you have the arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. I think for Patricia, the the defense is pretty all over the place, and it's a system that's been there for a couple of years now, where he's gotten he's maximized the talent that he has. Um, I don't think anyone is going to sit here and say the Patriots' defensive front seven is absolutely loaded with individual skill and talent because I don't. I think they're probably at best middle of the pack in terms of individual talent, but they seem to have the right schemes drawn up. They seem to have put the players in the best position. Yeah, they give up a lot of yards in between um, until their red zone, but they tend to shut people down. They don't give up. They don't give up nearly as many points as the yardage they give up would lend you to believe they do. So I think it's an okay hire. I want to see what staff he puts around him. Um, I know Jim Bob Cooter. I don't think he got hired anywhere, and I know he got released from his Detroit contract. I'd be interested to see if Patricia brought him back because I think Jim Bob Cooter's a really good offensive coordinator. So I don't hate. I don't hate the hire. I think it's probably going to end up being a pretty good hire, but it leaves me to believe they're going defense in the first round. All right, Zach, are you going to miss Patricia at all? Uh, yeah, very much so. Um, I, I agree with what Reed was saying. Um, I think in years past, we've had better defenses, especially when Jamie Collins and Chandler Jones were on the same team. 
but that didn't really last very long at all. Um, yeah, no, as a Pats fan, the defense has always been the bane of my existence. Um, it's always been, like, really frustrating because they give up these huge plays and then they buckle down in the red zone. Um, unlike McDaniels, we don't really know what Patricia has in terms of head coaching experience. Um Again, I agree with Reed about how he maximizes the potential of everyone on the defense, but they haven't been, you know, world beaters when it comes to defense, which is weird to say because Belichick's a defensive-minded coach, or, you know, he came from being a defensive coordinator. So, you know, I'm interested to see with what Patricia has to work with. Um, I don't think he'll fail miserably because this is already a borderline playoff team. There isn't a lot of you know, decisions that Patricia, like Patricia can't really sabotage this. I, he's not stepping into Cleveland. He's not stepping into, you know, one of these, you know, he's not stepping into Tampa Bay. Like he's not stepping into these places where, you know, there's a lot, you know, there needs to be patience because they're still rebuilding. Detroit's a pretty good football team. And I agree with Reed. It was kind of shocking for, me to see uh, Jim Bob Cooter leave because I thought he was a great offensive coordinator. Um, I don't, it would shock me if he brings him back though. I, I don't know who they can get for the OC gig, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see what's going to happen with Patricia. I um yeah, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss uh, McDaniels, you know, but other than that, yeah, I, I think this could be a very successful head coaching gig for uh, Patricia. All right, Viz. So you have the choice of two coaching jobs. Um, you have the Tennessee Titans or you have the Indianapolis Colts. Um, if you're Josh McDaniels, which which one do you want? Well, that's pretty tough. I would lean <laughs> – I guess I would lean the Titans, but that's mostly because of luck, just the risk with luck. I mean, if luck can't come back, the team is just – Horrible. We've seen how they have been the last couple of years. Sure, they have the third pick in this draft, and they're going to get somebody great like Bradley Chubb or something, you know. But I have faith that Mariota can be better with a better coordinator. Uh, I'm not sure if that guy's McDaniel's. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, he had mixed <laughs> mixed reviews in in Denver when he was there. Uh, kind of ruined that franchise if not for Peyton Manning just deciding he wanted to go there. But I mean, I still have faith that Luck will come back, but I just think the risk is probably too high. Uh, you still have Mariota. You know, he's still on a rookie deal, so you have this window for the next couple of years. If you can improve through free agency a little bit, I mean, you have Corey Davis in place. You have the pieces for the offense is already set for the most part. Get a couple defensive guys. I mean, the blueprint is kind of like, you know, Seattle had the window when Wilson was still on the rookie deal. Mariota's making more than that, you know, being a second overall pick instead of third round. But I just think the window's better for the time being. And it's just, it's more risky to take Indianapolis. And why, I mean, if I was a team, I wouldn't mind gambling on luck at all. If I'm the coach, I think I'd play it safe, especially because I don't think McDaniels will get a third chance if he fails again. And, you know, if luck's hurt, I just don't see any way around him failing. The issue. Well, the issue with Tennessee, or at least with Malarkey, was that he was trying to install an offense based off of kind of what Jacksonville's doing now, which is 
ideally running the football and relying on defense. But the issue with that is that they have a mobile quarterback, which doesn't work in that system, and their defense wasn't nearly as good as it needed to be. If McDaniels comes into Tennessee, he needs to install like a normal, you know, NFL offense, and if they want, oh, to go exotic mobile, Smash Mouth doesn't work for you. Yeah, exotic yes, Smash Mouth it, is not a real thing. Exotic Smash <laughs> it's Mouth not. is like I, I understand the theory behind it, but it's like communism. It looks good on paper, but it doesn't work in real life. And I, I if they if they want to go mobile, they should because they have Mariota. Now, what that means for this offense. If they truly go like a West Coast-style offense with Mariota like he had at Oregon, I <clears throat> I don't really see Henry living up to his expectation next year in fantasy, but it's a good sign for Delaney Walker, Corey Davis, you know, all, you know, all these pieces. But I, I agree with Viz. I think their number one issue probably, aside from getting rid of Exotic Smash Mouth, is this defense, and they'll probably do that in the draft. Well, Reed, if you look at it this way, Josh McDaniels wants control of player personnel. So you can take over the Colts and you can um, have low expectations for a couple years and kind of build what you want or go to the Titans and be expected to win right away because his team advanced in the playoffs. Uh, does this change anything for you or uh, anything like that? So I, I guess it's almost like we have to break it down into two questions, right? Like if you're McDaniels, what job do you want? And the other question would be, which job, in theory, would McDaniels be more successful in? Um, if I'm, Mc... I don't think either place would give him control of player personnel. If anyone would be more likely, it would be Tennessee. Um, Indianapolis people might still think that that's the same old clowns running the show. They they got rid of Grigson before this past season. Um, they brought in Malik Hooker. They had a decent draft class. They're picking high again this year. Um, I think that trade for Jacoby Brissett was actually really good because now mm-hmm. I think Brissett is viable to get you to not lose you 10 games like every year. Like they just had so many holes on that roster. You can't do it all in one off season. And I trust the way I actually trust the front office in Indy, not uh, minus ownership. Cause I think the ownership's just a joke. I, I trust the front office and, Indeed, to sort of get these picks right. I, I do think it should be Bradley Chubb. I don't even think it should be like a debate. They should just do it, get it over with. Either that or make a Fitzpatrick, but that's just where I'm looking at it. I I think McDaniels would actually do better in Indy. Um, one of knocks he had was that he wasn't really good at developing quarterbacks. And what and the whole knock on Malarkey was that he didn't the development of Mariota stagnated. Okay, well then you're trusting Josh McDaniels to develop Marcus Mariota. Or like there's no developing needing to be done with Andrew Luck. You just all right, Andrew, go do your stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's all relying on Andrew Luck being healthy. Um and based on the reporting it's out, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be. Like, there's nothing to – I mean, oh, he's definitely going to miss time next year. Like, I haven't seen any of that, so I can't assume that he's going to. And he sounds pretty optimistic he's playing again uh, starting next season. So, 
I think if he was to choose between the two, I think you just go with Indy. Like, you just go with the elite quarterback because you don't – like, we know Andrew Luck, when he's healthy, is an elite quarterback. We don't know if Mariota is an elite quarterback. And to me, that's the big one. I guess the question I would ask is if if Luck is healthy – I mean, you you said, man, about the expectations being lower in Indy. I mean, if if you knew Luck was going to be healthy, who would you pick for more wins next year, the Titans or the Colts? Because – I'm not sure expectations would be smaller on McDaniels if Luck was healthy, if he was an Indy. Well, uh, taking a look at the whole roster, I think I'd still expect the Titans to win more without mm-hmm. Mike Malarkey coaching them fair, <laughs> anymore. Fair point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you bring up a great point. Expectations are definitely higher when Andrew Luck is on the field. I mean, you're expected to win games. You have your franchise quarterback in place. Um the average fan doesn't really care um, if you have a hole at guard or left tackle or um, if your defensive line is not getting any pass rush. I mean, they they see that you have a quarterback in place and they expect you to win, and that's who buys the tickets. So, um, yeah, but, you know, I – yeah, I, I I think I'd prefer the, the Tennessee job if, if I'm trying to win uh, right away. But, um, Viz, I wanted to throw this to you. Dennison got fired from Buffalo. What kind of coach, uh, you don't have to give me a name or anything, would mm-hmm. you Would you want to um, run the offense, and what kind of personnel would you want around him? Like, who do you want at quarterback next year if you don't, you know, draft a quarterback? Um, oh, God. I mean, if they don't draft a quarterback, it's kind of a nightmare scenario. To me, I – I'm either in the camp of just running it back with Tyrod, but having that's assuming you draft somebody. Otherwise, like, I don't see the appeal of paying Kirk Cousins twenty some million dollars. It's just oh, it, you better hope Reed had you on mute. <laughs> no, no, I'm listening. I just <laughs> I, to me, he's just a different type of average. I mean, he's yes, he's better than Tyrod, but it's not like so much better to me that it's worth spending all this money. I don't think. You know, it's hard to judge Keenum, but, I, you know, I think they're going to make the Super Bowl. They're not going to let him go after that. I mean, you're looking at Bradford and Alex Smith. And there's just so many different guys. Bridgewater, have, maybe. Bridgewater, maybe, right? I mean, I just I don't know what route uh, the Bills are going to go, but they have so many different choices. To me, I mean, I would go in with the plan of taking quarterback in the first round. I mean, if it doesn't happen or you trade off, I mean, there's it's just so many different options, and it sucks that free agency gets done so far ahead of time. But with Tyrod's guarantee date being March 1st, I will be shocked if he's not caught at least. And then, you know, they go from there. So I would say, do they want to bring it? Does Alex Smith want to go there? Does he want to go somewhere else where he knows it's only a matter of time until he loses his job again? Maybe he's okay with that at this point of his career being – in his mid, almost mid thirties, uh, he to me he seems like the best guy. But again, you know he's coming from a team where he had Kareem Hunt and <laughs> Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, and he'd be going into Buffalo where he'd have Lashawn McCoy and I mean I get it, Calvin Benjamin. I'm not as big a fan of as most, and it's, there's just so many holes on this Buffalo team that if whatever quarterback comes in, it's going to be a rough situation, you know, barring some big move in the offseason with all the cast space that they have. All right, Reed. Um, if you were to draft a quarterback, 
Um, what quarterback would you want uh, realistically for Buffalo? Um, realistically, so so are we assuming that they're sitting at twenty one yes. and twenty two? Yes. yes. Oh boy. Um. Well, they do have the draft picks to trade up. This. So that's the thing. I almost think that they're not going to if they're going to grab a quarterback. I don't think they sit at twenty one and twenty two. I think they actually move up. Um, and then it's anyone's game. Well, and the prob- I, mean, I mean, I'm with you, but the problem is, like, I can't see them getting up. Like, the team who picked the Giants are going to go back from number two all the way to twenty one, even for two first. So you, you got to assume Rosen is off the board and probably Darnold, but one more quarterback. So you're talking getting up to like five or six, and at this point, we just don't know what quarterbacks they like. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one. Um, like there's an interesting scenario. Um, if the Bills really say they really like Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. let's just throw a do a little game theory. If they're if they really like Baker Mayfield, I don't really see a world where the Jets pass on Baker Mayfield at six. Um. Obviously, combine be damned, and if he just does horrible there and Josh Allen kills it, then you might see a world where Josh Allen passes that. Right. Um, so say the Denver Broncos, where I'm not sold on them drafting a quarterback at five. I actually think that they might be the ones that spend the money on Kirk Cousins. Because if you're John Elway and you're below average at player personnel stuff you're sitting there thinking i have an elite defense which i don't think they do anymore i am going to take one more run at the super bowl with the players that i have and i'm going to sign kirk cousins okay fine if you if you sign if you're in denver and you sign kirk cousins to 30 or 20 let's say 25 million dollars a year you can't you can't afford to use that number five pick on a quarterback so, and you still have other holes. Like, you need at least one more offensive lineman. You need a linebacker or a defensive lineman, whichever one you get better value at. So, I could see a world where the Bills say, we're going to package 21, 22, and then, I don't know, a third, a third rounder or one of their second rounders. And they move all the way up to five because you have to get in front of the Jets at six in order to ensure you get the quarterback you want, which is, I think, where it would end up going. Because I don't see, like, Indy could trade out of three, but I don't think they would. Yeah, so Mayfield's the one guy that I could see maybe dropping just in case uh, some team just, they just don't like him for he's shorter, he's ego, whatever stupid reason, honestly, they find. It's just hard to find cases of uh, teams trading that far back. It'd be the only one that I could think of is when uh, Atlanta traded all the way up to get Julio. They were picking sixth, and they gave up, I believe it was the 27th pick, their second, and then the, like a first in the next year and something else on top of it. So, I mean, if the Bills paying all that up in one year, maybe you could convince someone with a lot of holes to do it. Again, at the same time, the Bills have a, a lot of holes too, and I don't think they're going to to force it. So, at this point, we really don't know what quarterbacks the organization likes. I mean, there's been a lot of talk uh, you know, over the last few months to year that they really like Darnold, but I don't see any scenario where he gets past two. And otherwise, we really have no idea how much they like. You know, if they like Mason Rudolph for a lot, for example, there's a good chance he'll be there at 21 or 22 and they don't have to move up. 
you know, if they really like Mayfield or Allen, then they yeah, they're gonna have to move up. There's there's no way around it. Yeah. All right, Zach. Um, looking at it um, before the combine and everything, is there a quarterback that sticks out to you that you think is a clear number one quarterback coming out of college? For me personally, I think it's Baker Mayfield, but I totally see all the arguments for Josh Allen and Sam, you know, and Rosen and all that stuff, and Darnold, and I. It's tough, but it's. I think it's. I think it's going to be based off of who's on the big board for a lot of front offices. For me, it's Mayfield, but for others, it could be another quarterback. I think. I mean, no. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say. Um, just because we were talking about personal teams, I think it's a mistake if the Patriots don't take a quarterback this year. Um, for me, I totally see them getting another late round quarterback like um, Mason Rudolph from uh, Okie State, and just develop him for maybe one or two years before giving him control of the offense. Or you know, Tom Brady decides that he's going to play till he's fifty, so he uh, <laughs> develops under Tom Brady and then you know gets traded to gets traded for a third round pick. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think you guys already know my opinion about the Jimmy G trade. I'm in the clear minority when it comes to that, but I, we can. So you to, think uh, it was a good trade then? I don't think it was an awful trade. Everyone's like, "Oh, the Patriots got you know, you know, they got totally swindled by the Jimmy G trade to San Francisco. Why did they pay him for a second rounder?" And I'll make this quick because I could go off for months about this, but. They well, first off, they didn't want him in the AFC, um, and they had respect for San Francisco as an organization because of Shanahan, and uh, they had uh, Lynch. They have history with Lynch and all that stuff. But it comes down to what, how much do you did the Patriots want to pay for Garoppolo? They didn't want to pay a first round price. They've never wanted to pay a, a salary for any body who's asking for more money if they traded garoppolo to let's say cleveland for a first rounder they'd have to get they'd have to take that first round pick and they'd have to pay him a lot of money for what an offensive lineman like they don't need a a star-studded quarterback this year uh with the sirens in the background um so they they got a second rounder which is pretty much like a late first if you think about it because like it's still it's still in like the 40s like the 30s and 40s of the pick. It's kind of in the middle because I mean San Francisco went 6 and 10 there's you know 10 or so teams ahead of them. Okay. But you know yeah. you look at it how you want to. But, uh, yeah, I don't go think ahead. you go got, I don't think you got swindled but I think <laughs> I just we've never I, like when was the last time a first round pick has ever worked out for the Patriots? Like Brady, yeah, but I, obviously I mean, was a sixth rounder. Gronk was a fourth rounder. Like even Deion Lewis went let, undrafted. I think you let Brady walk after this year. Yeah, and again, people don't know this, but we talked about this a lot in the group chat. And Stan made an excellent point. It it was peculiar. It was a weird move. I totally get that. It would have been more like Belichick if he traded Brady instead of Garoppolo. I like I if, if he traded Brady, sure I would have been disappointed, like really heartbroken. But at the end of the day, it wouldn't shock me because that's what Bill Belichick does. It was a peculiar trade, sure, but I don't think they got the worst possible deal. And everyone's like, oh, you didn't get a first-round pick with – yeah, but they didn't want a first-round pick. Yeah, I get it. 
All right, well, we can stick with the New England Patriots and yourself. Um, goody, goody. So <laughs> the first game on Sunday at 1 p.m. Or no, it's actually a little bit later. It's like 2.30 yeah, or something. Are the games three. like 3 and 6? Yeah, yeah it's 3.05 and, and 6.35 or something. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. it's That's too late. Um, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh so yeah, the Patriots are favored by nine or nine and a half points, uh, depending on which site you look at. So we'll put spreads aside until we get to Reed and Viz. Zach, <laughs> uh, straight up, like, how, how are you feeling right now? So we're definitely not overlooking Jacksonville. Um, there may be some Pats fans out there that think, you know, because it's Blake Bortles that this will be an easy game. I am not one of those people. Um just comparing franchises really quick. The issue clearly with Pittsburgh was that they were overlooking Jacksonville. They would the the Patriots are complete 180 from Pittsburgh. Like I don't think they're overlooking this defense. Um I had a feeling Jacksonville was going to win this game just because Blake Bortles is up and down and if you get Bortles to have a really good day, you can put up 45 points. The the way to beat Pittsburgh for Jacksonville last week was I thought was to get up early and run the ball force Pittsburgh into a one-dimensional offense where they're trailing early and they have to force you know force passes and you can't do that against the secondary it's the same exact blueprint to beat the Patriots now I am of the belief that New England has a much stronger defense than Pittsburgh um, in pretty much every facet of the game but the blueprint is still the same. If you want to beat New England, you have to get up early and force them into obvious passing situations. It, maybe not to the same, you know, e- extremity of, you know, 21 nothing, 24 nothing, but even if it's 7 nothing, 14 nothing. If you get Brady into, okay, even though it's first and second down because it's, you know, we're halfway through the second quarter and they're still down two touchdowns, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna stop the run. We don't have to worry about this balanced offense. They're clearly in these passing scenarios. Now, on on the other hand, for New England to beat Jacksonville, I think, you know, again coming back to Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo gave us a great blueprint to beat Jacksonville, and they dominated Jacksonville for most parts of that 49ers uh, Jags game. Quick, short passes. Um, get up early so you aren't in the scenario of having to, you know, pass the ball. And honestly, it wouldn't shock me if this is a Mike Gillisley game. Ja- the weakness of ja- – like, I know you guys like to make fun of me for this, but Jacksonville is a f- just by default a rush funnel defense. They funnel all of their opposing yes. production to the run. Like, obviously, clearly they, ha- they have the best secondary in the NFL. If they get Have up, you seen their rushing numbers, their rushing defense numbers since they traded for lately. Marcel Darius? Yes, and that yes, like it, it's well, improved, I mean, it's but, lately now, like it's the playoffs, like that's yeah. how they're playing now. Yeah, that's how they're playing now. But you know, again, I think the key to beating Jacksonville <laughs> is Gronk short passes and running up the middle, and just don't get down early because, like we saw with Pittsburgh. They had to force the ball into Antonio Brown's and Martavis Bryant's hands. And Ben Roethlisberger, how many times did he get picked? I know he had seven turnovers, but 
he got picked off like what three times Twice. Twice. Twice last week, yeah. Yeah, like, that can't happen. You can't get down early to Jacksonville. But, again, I think the biggest key is short passes and Gronk. Because, like, honestly, and I'll, I'll ask you guys this, who can honestly cover Gronk in Jacksonville? Like, if you're if you're the D.C., do you put a linebacker on him, or do you put on Jalen Ramsey, or, like, what do you do? I think a combination of Miles Jack and a safety. Yep, that's I was going to go the exact same yeah. spot. So you bracket him? I don't think yeah, the guys to. on the Jags are like good enough that I don't think you want to give Gronk the same matchup over and over again. I think you got to just keep changing it up. But he, sure. I think my base would be would be Jack and a in a safety for help and to just hope for the best. I mean, to me, I th- I honestly think the Jags' weakness is the deep ball. If you look at the numbers this year, they're really bad. Yeah. Surprisingly, giving up the deep pass and you know, I mean, New England's offense is predicated on a bunch of short stuff and. I would not be surprised at all to see them try. I mean, I don't think Brady's the best anymore at throwing deep balls, but you give Cooks a few chances. Mm-hmm. You have to Definitely. at least threaten. You have to stretch him out at least a little bit. Yeah, otherwise, I would. Yeah, I'd be twice. Wrong, yeah, I mean, they're going to. Also, I mean, too. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, we've seen this type of defense, the Coughlin style, have success before, yeah. but it, it's, it's tough. I mean, this Gronk is just such a brutal match for anybody, and. It's it's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's and, hard to imagine. I mean, it's just the thought of Blake Bortles going in there and winning is just like it just seems crazy it, enough. It definitely but, could happen. Yeah, um, I mean, Flacco and Sanchez have done it, so I guess it's not impossible. Don't. <laughs> I mean, if you PTSD. think back to 2015, the AFC chain, or maybe it was 2016. I can't remember the year. Uh, it was when, uh, yeah, Denver. I mean, that mm-hmm. you have to look at this as a similar matchup, right? Yeah. Um, we were like look- decimated with injuries that year. Like, um, what's his name? Was our star- like Stephen Jackson was the running back for the Patriots. Like, that's how injured we were. Okay. But right, no, Reed, what, what, was, you- what I was gonna say, Viz, really quick uh, to Viz, really quick. Um, and I guess all of you guys. Um, we do get Rex Burkhead back this week, and I don't care what the matchup is, who the linebacker is. I'll take a running back in. Um, you know wheel routes against linebackers. I'll take the running back in that matchup any day of the week. I don't care who it is. I think that's an important matchup in this game too. Quick point about Rex Burkhead. Um, I think Belichick's still going to roll with James White on passing downs just because it is the playoffs and they are, you know, kind of in a groove right now Yeah. Uh, with, with James White. So I not, I'm not totally convinced that Rex Burkhead sees the field a lot. But even if it's White, though, again, running backs passes out of the backfield against linebackers. Usually it's the advantage goes to the running back. And listeners, great prop bet if you are betting. Um, whatever odds that James White has to score a touchdown, take them because he scored five combined touchdowns in his last two playoff games. So uh, that's probably like – Almost has to be guaranteed money. Um, so, Reed, uh, we didn't get your thoughts in, in long form about this game. What are you thinking? I know we both like Jacksonville, but uh, has that changed for you over the last couple of days? Okay, so I said at the beginning of the Jacksonville-Pittsburgh game that my actually not-so-hot take, but I claimed it a hot take at the time, was that the New England would rather face – Pittsburgh than they would Jacksonville because Jacksonville's defense is just nasty. They there is no 
Tom Brady will only get knocked down once this game. Like there, I don't see a world in which that happens. I, I expect him to get hit. I don't, I'm trying to think of how many times I expect Gronk to get a free release off the line. And I, I don't see it. They're going to get pushed around. If you put Jalen Ramsey on Brandon Cooks and just say, okay, like I'm not going to give you a free release. Try and beat me. I'm not sure Brandon Cooks is going to win that matchup. He could draw pass interference, though. I don't. The problem think, with uh, the problem with the Jags is that they pass interference. They interfere on every play, so the refs are, can't throw the flag <laughs> on every play. It's, it's actually like brilliant. A, it's brilliant. That's it's like uh, Seattle three years ago. I was going to say. I mean, I was going to say like 2001 Patriots when they beat the Rams and they literally changed the rules because Ty Law was just murdering Tory Holt every single play. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they yeah, changed. The, I thought they changed the the five yard bump rule when uh, they beat the Colts in like 2004, 2005, right? It was some. It was one of those. Yeah, games. I, I hear. I hear what I you're saying. Though, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I was yeah. one at the time, so my recollection yeah. of that game is not much. <laughs> but yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, I, like I do think Jacksonville actually has a decent shot in this one. If Leonard Fournette's healthy, I know he practiced today and he's still dealing a little bit with that ankle. But for the most part, he looked great against Pittsburgh. Um, like they might just say we're going to line up. We have more just man-on-man skill than you, and we're not going to try and make this a scheme game. We're just going to try and just run it down your throat, and then. Again, Blake Bortles still has enough stupid ass mobility where he could like <laughs> do some things. Like I, I I don't know. I just sort of see this where I don't see this being an overly high scoring game. And normally as uh, I think Viz was or I think Zach was saying how yeah, just short passes to the running backs and the and it'll beat the linebackers most cases. Well, uh, does this game count as most cases cuz that linebacking core on Jacksonville is so fast. I mean, you yeah. saw anytime Pittsburgh tried but to run to the outside. There's like, a difference between sweep happen. plays, sweep like out to the right and left plays than like we're just going to attack you up the middle. Like yeah, not like bad. like not like an I form like an I formation like run play like we're not not going out to the side but like a you know take 5 yards and turn around type play. I mean, like just look at like do you think the screenplay is going to work against the, that Jags front seven? No, like, maybe not screenplays, but if you get out in space, maybe like five yards down the field and quick to the left, quick to the right. Like I, I, I totally hear what you're saying because Pittsburgh tried to beat them with the sweep plays and it didn't work. But I think there's yeah. a difference between that and like you know decent slants. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mike Tomlin's just a moron yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean i guess the one counter i would say about you know being them being so good against the run is you know once they got Darius, their defense i mean the offenses they played they played cleveland arizona indy seattle houston san fran tennessee buffalo pittsburgh in these last two playoff games i mean jackson's run defense the numbers look a lot better but we haven't really seen them play a good running team besides you know the bills who were just incapable of any offense in that game and and then the, <laughs> and then the Steelers fell so far behind that they couldn't really run either yeah, so and I, I think there is a chance still that Deion Lewis has a, a fairly decent game running yeah. the ball and then, and another thing too like we talk about how great this defense is for Jacksonville and they have a great defense and I know a lot of it was garbage time but it still counts they did allow 42 points like 
th- that's got to be worth something. And again, what you were saying, Reed, earlier about how like you're very confident Jacksonville can win this game, I I am definitely scared as a Pats fan. But the one thing I will say is if the New England offense completely falls apart, like, and that's a big if, if, if they completely just crap themselves, what are the odds Blake Bortles can not only repeat what he did last week, but against a much tougher defense? Because this Pittsburgh defense is not good whatsoever. This Pats defense started off horrible, but has been really tight these past few weeks. All right, so one thing I want to point out to you is one Brandon Cooks is not Antonio Brown, so no, of course he, not. he's not he's not going to be able to do the things that Antonio Brown did that was worth fourteen points. Two, that's fair. Tom Brady can't move like Ben Roethlisberger can in the pocket anymore. He just can't. Well, Tom can ben, Brady. Well, can Ben move? As quick did as, you did you see that uh, little flicker flick pass to yeah? Le'Veon but I'm, I'm just saying, but it's, I mean, it's not like he, he's he does that stuff all the time. Not saying he is, but Tom Brady stands in one place. I hear you, and he throws the ball. So I mean, he's also you, the greatest quarterback to ever walk this planet. So I mean, you say you say pocket pass or like it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it like it's a bad thing, but he's facing an all-time defense and. They struggled against uh, an all-time defense uh, two years ago in the AFC Championship game. I think nine points is too much. Not saying that the Patriots won't win this game, but I'm saying that nine points is way too much, and I I have no problem laying the nine points. Or not laying the nine points, but uh, getting the nine points. Reed, how confident are you in Blake Bortles to have success against a much tougher defense than Pittsburgh? Like what were what were the expectations going into Pittsburgh? Like none. Pretty low. He had no expectations. Yeah. What are the expectations for him going in into England? Pretty high. None. Like I would I would assume. You think people... he, hold on. You think that he has high expectations, even though everyone is still essentially laughing at the no, fact that no, they're not anymore. Not game. after Pittsburgh. They they're not. I'm not saying people are expecting Blake Bortles to, like, absolutely light the world on fire, but they're not expecting a repeat of Buffalo. They're expecting a repeat of what he did last week against Pittsburgh. I don't even know if they're expecting a repeat. They almost think that that was great Blake Bortles and we're going to get back to mediocre Blake Bortles, which is... I mean, maybe, but definitely higher expectations coming out to this game than he did against Pittsburgh. If Fournette runs the ball, I don't. I think it makes the job of Blake Bortles so much easier. Yeah, of course. Play but, action. The Nate Hackett the offense though. is all about play action being successful because you have to convert the. You have to put the safety back in the box, and if even if they do a couple run pass RPOs, who's to say Blake Bortles just can't get a casual ten yards running, like on a any given play because of a RPO when Patrick Chung in the box. Like, I don't think – I think Jacksonville is going to be able to move the ball. It comes down to whether they put in the end zone or not because that's what New England's defense has been really good at since, like, what, week five is they just don't give up the touchdowns. Like, they'll give up field goals, but if Tom Brady's going down and scoring touchdowns, then who who cares if he give up the field goal? So – but wasn't, I mean, wasn't Buffalo supposed to be a much easier rushing uh, 
you know, much easier to run the ball against than Pittsburgh, like on paper. And he he Fournette paper, did definitely. jack. So this is where I think Viz and I might no, I think Viz and I agree on this. We don't like Sean McDermott on game day. I, I don't think um, neither of us. I will say this: the Bills' defensive game plan was. I mean, you can't multiply by zero, but it was infinitely better than their offensive game plan. Their entire plan was, we're going to put eight people in the box. We really don't think you're going to throw the ball, and we're going to make sure we don't lose to the run. Because if we lose to Blake Bortles throwing the ball, then it's like we can just discount it as a miracle. So that's what they did. Pittsburgh thought that they could do it with just seven. New England's going to have to put eight in the box because if they they just put seven guys in there – I think Jacksonville is going to be able to run on them. And it's not like Tennessee where they're going to forget they have Derrick Henry and they're going to do stupid plays. I think Jacksonville is just going to say, we're going to line it up and we're going to jam it down your throat. And I guess they're going to try and make the game to a position where our players are individually more talented than your players and we're going to try and form a system where it comes down to talent and not scheme which sounds incredibly contradictory, but I think it makes sense, where we're going to put it in a position where talent on talent. Mm -hmm. So if Jacksonville can do that, I think they're going to be able to run the ball with Leonard Fournette. Uh, TJ Yeldon looked good on passing downs. Um, Like, I could see it. Like, who do you trust, uh, the Patriots linebackers or the Jacksonville running backs? I don't know if I trust Fournette. I don't know. Well, Matt's never liked Fournette like ever, but I'm just, I'm just saying I don't think uh, – I, I just don't I, – I see New England on paper, and I see a much better defense than Pittsburgh. I And they didn't do it a lot because, as you just said, Tennessee, you know, kind of just crapped themselves. But Tennessee was having success passing the ball to Delaney Walker. I don't think the run game is going to take off for Jacksonville. I, I just don't see it. I Well, yeah, because Belichick can focus on taking one thing away from you sure. and making you beat them with his with your weakest point. And, and if New England like, successfully has a good offensive day and Jacksonville can't get the ball, you know, can't run the ball like they want to, like they were able to against... Uh, Pittsburgh, I, I don't see the Jacksonville Jaguars having a successful day. I, I, I just don't see it. it I, I just don't see it. All right, we can move on from there. Uh, we have the Minnesota Vikings traveling to the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, as of right now, I believe the Vikings are favored by three and a half, and the over-under is at 39. So, Viz, where are you leaning on this one? I just I like this Vikings team all year, and I just, it's hard for me to back Nick Foles to be honest. And I, I honestly feel like it's a coaching mismatch. I know that's kind of harsh on Doug Peterson, but I just I don't know. I, I really like Mike Zimmer. I know they took their foot off the gas last week and let the Saints back in. Uh, I mean, a block punt. There's all sorts of stuff going on in that game, and obviously just an absurd ending. And I don't know. I. I, I'm seeing the spread back down at three. If I had to pick a side, I'd probably lay the three. The over/under, I don't feel good about. I mean, 
it's hard. You don't usually feel great taking an under on 39 points, but I mean, no. a 20, 21-17 game, you're still going under, and I mean, that seems like a potential score in this game. I mean, I, I do like Jim Schwartz. It'll be interesting to see how they, who they put Darby on as a dealer or digs, and I don't know. It's the Eagles team. I just, I think they're going to have a tough time on uh, against Minnesota on offense because. I mean, Kamara and Ingram, they really weren't doing much in their rushing game. You know, the Eagles, you know, once was getting a lot of attention and deserve, deservingly so, but between Clement and Blunt and when they got Ajayi, they were running very well. And if they're not able to run, I just, I mean, I can't trust Nick Foles to do much. Xavier Rhodes should do a good job. Uh, Elshon, they're going to need Ertz, I think, a lot. But even, you know, between mm-hmm. Harrison Smith and, you know, if they want to even throw. You know, bar. I mean, they have so many options, and it's just—it's <laughs> not a good matchup. For no, it's it's pretty brutal for them. Their I mean, their I, only advantage really is playing outside. Yeah, I was just, yeah, being at home. I mean, it does it does matter quite a bit, and they'll uh, their fans will obviously be going nuts there. But it's just it just feels like not, I don't want to say like, like the Vikings feel like a team of destiny, but it just. It's just hard to imagine an Eagles team with Nick Foles winning twice in a row, and they, you know, kind of got a gift against the Atlanta. I just don't see the Vikings giving a game away like that, which I know sounds ridiculous because, like I said, they almost blew the game last week. But it's just a comp- the Eagles' offense is just simply a different animal than what New Orleans is at this point. All right, Reed. Um, I like Minnesota laying the three, and I also like the under on this. Um, what was that Atlanta score fifteen to ten? I think Philly won that mm-hmm. one, and yeah, uh, like I think Minnesota's defense is better than Atlanta's. So I, I when I watched that Philly offense after like the first drive or two, it started to ri- remind me a little bit of when Chip Kelly was the coach in Philadelphia. And they just ran, like, the the read option almost. It was a lot of just, like, run pass RPOs, like, all day. And that's what they had Nick Foles doing. And he got himself into a groove. But I get this feeling that Minnesota's not – has just better linebackers. And their defensive line, Linval Joseph, like, you're not running at him. Like, mm-hmm. Everson Griffin, like, you're not running at these guys. Like, it's not going to – like, getting the edge, like – I don't think Blunt's very good at getting the edge. Those are inside guys where I think the defensive tackles are going to just eat it up. I The linebacking core is strong. We talked about Harrison Smith. They have two really good corners. So I don't know where I really – I don't see an avenue where Philly puts up, like, 21 points. Mm, and yeah, I, I can, Yeah, and I can see Minnesota. Like, Adam Thielen is just dumb. Like, Stephon Diggs is just dumb on these jump balls. Like, they constantly high point the ball and get – They and always win. They always win the jump, the 50-50 balls. Mm-hmm. And, like, that says something. And I think Latavius Murray it might be one of the most underrated running backs in the league this year. Everyone just thought, oh, my God, it's Latavius Murray. Oh, God, here we go again. I actually think – he actually looked – he actually looked pretty good. Like I think Jarek McKinnon's really good, too. So yeah. do I. I like both of them, and I what, think what is the uh, a little bit. what's the backfield split next year? Do you guys think when uh, Dalvin Cook comes back? 
Delvin well, Cook. Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook, man. But then yeah. what, what, do you, what do you do with the other two? I think McKinnon will play a little. I think McKinnon will play a little, but Murray probably won't play much, if at all, if he's even on the team still. Yeah, they might just cut him to saves. That's a so. shame. Yeah, I mean, he's, it, he's an expensive player. Yeah. For yeah, I mean, they didn't think they were going to take Cook when they signed him. So, I mean, it just I'll add quick before Zach goes. I mean, it, the over under is thirty nine, like Reed said, kind of like the under. If I had to pick thing, I'd probably bet a team total. Of, just take the Eagles under eighteen points, which I know seems kind of low, but. Smart. But I'd rather do that than take the over the whole game under, just in case the Vikings offense. Uh, you know, they have a, a good, yeah, I mean, for selfish reasons for making the Super Bowl entertaining, I would love the Vikings to make it just because no matter whether it's Ramsey and Bouye or if it's uh, Butler and Gilmore against Diggs and Thiel, and that would just be great to watch. No, that's that's a great point. The team under, definitely a much better choice just in case – you know, Minnesota goes off, just kind of repeating what you said. But, Zach, why don't you go ahead and give us your take here? So, I obviously agree with you guys in the belief that um, I don't see Philadelphia winning this game, which, as a Pats fan, if we somehow manage to beat Jacksonville, it scares me to death that we would have to face Minnesota pretty much as an away game. Um, but I have a, a conspiracy theory take uh, for the listeners, um, Philadelphia wins this game because the NFL would never allow uh, a team to be in their own stadium for a Super Bowl just because of how much revenue they would lose from like another team's out of town fans to come in and like just you know spend. Well, I well, don't I think oh, it's only hotels because people are still going to eat out, people are still going to party, and yeah, I, I mean. It's hard enough for people who are going to the Super Bowl to book hotels. So I mean, you the season ticket and... holders get any sort of like discount, Gina? No, 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 no. Like, no, no. no. um, I know like each team will be given like twenty five thousand of the seats to do it. How they? I mean, it's a lot of raffles off between season ticket holders and stuff. And, Lotteries, uh, Lotteries, yeah, basically, and a lot of you know companies and stuff that buy the tickets but i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about uh what would they do with the point spread if uh the vikings were in it and they said they'd only give them you know a point maybe a point and a half compared to you know three to four points for being at home just because i mean if if it is new england it's still going to be probably a third new england fans i would say jackson probably not much different it's not like they're going to have you know 95 percent of the people there and you know but you know, new Boston people will travel there, even you know, to to go to the game and spend the money for the tickets on you know stub over SeatGeek, whatever. So, you know, it would be cool to see a team play at home, but it wouldn't be like the normal crazy home field advantage that you would think. Sure. Just because it's more of a the Super Bowl is more of a corporate kind of thing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Go ahead, Reed. No, I. I would. I kind of hope that Minnesota makes it. Like I want to see. I think it's an interesting dynamic. I'd probably give it a point, point and a half. I agree with Viz and whatever podcast he was listening to. Um, should be listening to the Razblitz podcast. Yes, we should start. We point. should start a uh, gambling podcast, and by we, I mean you three. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of what this is. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just. I'm 
it would be a really good matchup for Minnesota. I think realistically, I, I think the Patriots, if they do beat Jacksonville, I think they would much rather face Philadelphia than Minnesota. Oh, sure. Just oh, God. like any anyone, right? Like I, I think Minnesota's offense matches up better against New England than Phillies does. I think Minnesota's defense, like I think the defenses are almost like I think Philly's defense is still really good. For um, sure. But I, I yeah, think Minnesota if, is if just Philadelphia like is gonna there. win, they they have they need to have their defense completely ball out. Alright, to close up, one last question. I mean we'll have plenty of time to talk about it in the next couple of weeks because we will be on weekly. Um I will throw it to you first, Zach. Ooh. Say that um Say Jacksonville wins Aww. and Minnesota wins. Aww. Who's your Super Bowl pick? Minnesota. Oh, wait. Say. Oh, that's yeah, tough. We can, go just, I... we can just go off the dome. It's, it's, we're we're going to have plenty of time Minnesota. to talk about it. Minnesota. Okay. Minnesota. Okay. Um, New England, Minnesota. <sighs> Don't make me say Minnesota. Okay. Uh, New England, Philly. Oh, New England. Jacksonville, Philly. Jacksonville. <laughs> God, can you imagine if it's Jacksonville, Philly somehow like, no, without I Wentz? Watch. Like, I would totally that, watch I might... that. I would watch that with so much emotion. No, that but like be... honestly, New England, Minnesota. I'll take. I'll still take New England. I honestly don't know if I can watch this Philadelphia Eagles team in the Super Bowl. I know. It's like I we spent so much time on the first game and less on the NFC game, and justifiably so because there's sure. just like it's just so we, far. We all feeling. we all think Minnesota's going to win. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, yeah, and point spread is much closer, but even still, like it's just it's just so hard to see Philly winning twice doing the same thing too. Nah, man, they're now. underdogs. They're going to come out with the underdog mask again. Like, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like a trap? Like a trap, though. Minus three. Yeah. A little, a little bit. But like at the at the same time, like they're just trying to get even bets, and people won betting Philly last week at home. I mean, I bet what we'll see is for the point spread, a lot of bets coming in on the Vikings laying the points, and then on the money line bets to win outright, you see a lot of bets coming in on Philly and Vegas and every other sports book praying that somehow the Vikings win by one or two points and they just win everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Reed. Um, what do you guys got going on on the hockey site? Um, I don't know. We might have to send this over to Viz for the hockey site. <laughs> yeah. um, Are you um, MIA? No, I'm not MIA. I I think we're doing a podcast tomorrow. Yeah, we'll, we yeah, we'll do one tomorrow. It'll be my my third in three days actually because we did the basketball one last night too yes. um, with uh, Craig and the fantasy dick Brent yes Ooh, yes uh, pretty... <laughs> stalker yeah pretty... my my, uh, my best friend on the on the comment section he's always got stuff to say on the oh, comment wait, section wait what's his name again oh, the fantasy dick oh Brent. that's right because he keeps answering I mean I love him to death but he answers all the questions in addition to posing his own question <laughs> I, I like him. I, th- I such think he's a, great a smart. Move. I think he's a smart dude. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. All right. So basketball site podcast is already yeah. out. Um, yeah, it's up now. By the time you listen to this, you can just find that same thing. I think it's just for now. It's just the Rasball Basketball Podcast. We need a we need a good name for basketball and hockey for that matter to go with Ras Blitz. But yeah, the hockey one. By the time you listen to this, the hockey one will probably be out too. Actually, that Reed and I will do tomorrow. 
Sounds great. And uh, we have a T-hole update. I, we kind of know where he is. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Um, what? He's, make, he's making an independent film. That's really cool. Oh. I didn't know you guys yeah. were friends. We, I mean, we're friends on Facebook. We, we don't talk much anymore, but we're friends on Facebook. And I saw that he had a GoFundMe for a for an independent film. So oh, that's, that's where T-hole cool. is. Yeah. I and, wish, uh, him the, uh, wish him the best with that. Yeah. Uh, me, me too. Um, so we have uh, RCL update. Uh, we will announce the RCL winners next week on next week podcast. And next week we will basically talk about the games that happen on Sunday. And then the following week will be a big betting week with prop bets and uh, any coaching. Uh, we'll, you're recording the podcast so you can be here. <laughs> but I mean like my job is now useless because you know how to use XFoot now. Well, you're you're a friend, so yeah, you can come on. Appreciate it. And and you do good work, so. Appreciate it. Oh, Matt, you're you're making. All me right, tear before up. Zach starts <laughs> crying like the little seventeen year old he is, we better get. Hey, out I'm here. eighteen now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> I can now go buy porn. Yeah. All right, oh my some God. cigarettes and some cigarettes and stuff. <laughs> like Smoke a baller. Up, Zachary. Smoke up. Ooh, All know. right, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week. Go Pats. No. No. Cut that out. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> no, it's in there. It's in there, guys. <laughs> also, a little bit disappointed we didn't get to talk about Steve Sarkeesian coming back for Atlanta. Oh. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.